This is the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Biblical Unitarian Podcast, the podcast that aims to start conversations about the oneness and unity of God and about the humanity of Jesus. My name is Dustin Smith, and as always, I will be your host. I appreciate you so much for tuning in to this week's episode. Today we're going to be talking about Paul's use of Old Testament Yahweh texts for Jesus, and this is part four of four within our ongoing study. So this will be the final episode on this particular topic, and of course this is episode 185. Now we've been talking about the ways in which Paul uses his scripture in the previous three episodes, particularly in how Paul will quote or allude to passages from the Hebrew Bible in the Old Testament to where Yahweh was the referent, and Paul will take that in his letters and cite a passage or allude to a passage, but it will be allegedly used of Jesus. We've been following the arguments of David Capps, who is the leading scholar of Pauline Old Testament Yahweh passages used in the New Testament of Jesus. And we've gone through every passage that he has tried to argue for this particular case. We will round off the passages that he presents in this week's episode. And we've noticed a couple of interesting points. We've noticed that, yes, sometimes Paul does cite Yahweh passages for Jesus. We've also noted that sometimes the passages that David Capps thinks are Yahweh passages for Jesus are actually just Yahweh passages for Yahweh. They're not in reference to Jesus. The evidence sometimes is also ambiguous. It's not clear that Jesus is the intended referent. And of course, if Jesus is the referent of these Yahweh passages, we have to interpret what that actually means. We found a lot of understanding and solace in Philippians 2, 9-11, where God has shared his name with the risen and exalted Jesus. So if a Yahweh passage is used to refer to Jesus, it would be Jesus functioning as Yahweh in the sense of an empowered and authorized agent. That seems to be the primary thrust of Paul's scriptural habits in regard to Yahweh text for Jesus. In this week's episode, we will look over three test cases of these Yahweh passages allegedly used of Jesus. We will look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 26. We will look at 2 Corinthians 3, verses 16 through 17. And we will look at the phrase, Day of the Lord. Now, David Capps in his books and his articles claims that these references are places to where the Son of God is described as Yahweh in light of either direct Old Testament quotations or Old Testament allusions. What do these passages say, and what can we conclude after examining Paul's scriptural habits for a month at this point? Let's find out on this week's episode of the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Our first point today is the Lord of the Table in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. It's very important that we get the context of this passage. I'm going to start in verse 15. We'll read all the way to verse 26. And, of course, verse 26 is the place where the Hebrew Bible is quoted 
and it is a Yahweh passage. So let's start in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 15. Paul says, I speak as to wise men, you judge what I say. Is not the cup of blessing which we bless a sharing in the blood of Christ? Is not the bread which we break a sharing in the body of Christ? Since there is one bread, we who are many are one body. For we all partake of the one bread. Look at the nation of Israel. Are not those who eat the sacrifices sharers in the altar? What do I mean then? That a thing sacrificed to idols is anything? Or that an idol is anything? No. But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to become sharers in demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Or do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? We are not stronger than he, are we? All things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful, but not all things edify. Let no one seek his own good, but that of his neighbor. Eat anything that is sold in the meat market without asking questions for conscience' sake, for the earth is the Lord's and all it contains. That's 1 Corinthians 10, verses 15 through 26. And it's that last verse, verse 26, which says, For the earth is the Lord's and all it contains. This passage is a quotation from the Hebrew Bible. It is a Yahweh passage. And the reference is Psalm 24, verse 1, which says that the earth is Yahweh's and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. So Psalm 24, verse 1, is without question a Yahweh passage. And here it is cited in this particular passage in Paul's argument in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Now David Capps has argued that this is a direct citation of a Yahweh passage for Jesus as the Lord. He makes the argument that the context of this passage has the cup of the Lord in verse 21, meaning the cup of the Lord Jesus, and the table of the Lord in verse 21 is also the table of the Lord Jesus. And David Capps also points out in verse 22 that we have the reference to the Lord who is provoked. And he thinks that this Lord is also the Lord Jesus. But I'm not so sure that is actually the case. I think actually in verse 22, I think it is a little bit ambiguous as to which Lord Paul is referring. Now, let's just concede for the moment the possibility that the undefined Lord in verse 22 is the Lord Jesus. Does this necessitate the conclusion that the Lord in verse 26 is to be Jesus and thereby there is a Yahweh citation in verse 26 for Jesus? I don't think that necessarily has to be the case. We do know from Jewish liturgy that the rabbis would cite Psalm 24, verse 1, quite frequently in regard to their feast and to the meals that they would eat. 
And it was very clear that they knew that the Lord there would be Yahweh. There's no question about that. They were thinking of the Hebrew Bible when they were making those citations. So it's unlikely that Paul forgot the fact that Yahweh is the original referent in Psalm 24 and verse 1. It seems that Paul here is citing that passage and making the case that, in my opinion, Yahweh himself is the one that is in possession of the earth and everything that the earth contains. There's really not a logical flow within the argument that we should conclude that the Lord in 1026 is actually the Lord Jesus. There's nothing in there that makes that particular case. In fact, throughout the argument of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it is clear that God and the Lord Jesus are understood as being on the same side of the table, no pun intended. There is a contrast constantly between sacrificing to demons and sacrificing to God, and of course eating the food from the table of demons and eating from the table of the Lord. You wouldn't necessarily conclude that the Lord there is God. It just means that Jesus is on the side of God. So I'm not so sure that 1 Corinthians 10, 26 is actually a reference to the Lord Jesus. I think Paul is able to cite this particular passage, and he's able to assume that his readers would understand that this is a Yahweh reference, and that it's unlikely that his readers would have concluded that this is a reference to the Lord Jesus, even if the previous references in the context do refer to the Lord Jesus. It's very possible that this passage intended to be a specific Yahweh passage with the intended reference as being to the Lord God, not the Lord Jesus Christ. So this particular passage, 1 Corinthians 10.26, even though it's argued by David Capps as being a Yahweh passage cited for Jesus, I don't think that the evidence clearly brings about that conclusion. There is some ambiguity here, and you don't necessarily have to take the evidence as concluding that the reference is to the Lord Jesus. So I'm going to push back and object to the firm conclusion that he is proposing there. I think it's much more likely that Paul's citation of Psalm 24 in verse 1 would have been widely understood by Jewish contemporaries as a clear reference to Yahweh and an intended reference to Yahweh, not a Yahweh passage used for somebody else. Let's move on to our second point. The Lord who is identified with the Spirit in 2 Corinthians 3. Now, in 2 Corinthians 3, Paul is going to talk about Moses and a veil and a similarity with converting to the Christian life, to where the veil being unlifted in regard to Jewish readers of Scripture, and how the lifting of the veil is likened unto conversion. Let me give you the context here in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Let's start in verse 12. Paul says, Therefore, having such a hope, we use great boldness in our speech, and are not like Moses, who used to put a veil over his face so that the sons of Israel would not look intently at the end of what was fading away. 
but their minds were hardened. For until this very day, at the reading of the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted, because it is removed in Christ. But to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their heart. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. That's 2 Corinthians 3, verses 12 through 17. And David Caps makes the argument that since Moses was getting his face veiled in light of the glory that was shining from his face from his presence in the presence of Yahweh, from Exodus chapter 34, then the reference here to someone who turns to the Lord in 2 Corinthians 3.16, and the reference to the Lord as the Spirit in verse 17, that this Lord is the Lord Jesus being alluded to with a clear Yahweh passage. Now, I agree with David Capps that there is a legitimate illusion that is taking place here, and I do think that illusion is Exodus 34. But I'm not convinced that the allusion to the Yahweh passage in Exodus 34 is reapplied here to Jesus. I think this is something to where the Lord would have been understood as the Lord God. Let's read the passage from Exodus 34 to get the sense of the illusion that Paul is drawing upon in order to make his argument. So, in Exodus 34, starting in verse 29, it says, It came about when Moses was coming down from Mount Sinai, and the two tablets of the testimony were in Moses' hand as he was coming down from the mountain, that Moses did not know that his skin of his face shone because of his speaking with him. So when Aaron and all the sons of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. Then Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned to him, and Moses spoke to them. Afterward, all the sons of Israel came near, and he commanded them to do everything that Yahweh had spoken to him on Mount Sinai. When Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. But whenever Moses went in before Yahweh to speak with him, he would take off the veil until he came out. And whenever he came out and spoke to the sons of Israel, what had been commanded. That's Exodus 34, verses 29 through 34. And it's clear that the illusion of Moses and the glory and his veil, and putting on the veil, and removing the veil, and the Lord that is associated with this, would refer to the Lord, namely to Yahweh. So although Paul is not using a direct quotation, Paul is clearly alluding to this passage. This is an Old Testament allusion, and it is clearly an Old Testament Yahweh allusion. But I don't think that David Capps is correct, that Paul in 2 Corinthians 3 is alluding to the Yahweh passage in reference to Jesus. I think that it is a reference to Yahweh. I think by saying that when someone turns to the Lord, that this Lord is still the Lord God. And then in verse 17, where the Lord is the Spirit, to me that seems to be very clearly a reference to the Lord, namely the Lord God, namely to Yahweh himself not to the Lord Jesus. It would actually be quite problematic to say that the Lord Jesus is the Spirit, 
where it would be less problematic and actually far more likely that the Lord God is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So the suggestion there that the Lord in 2 Corinthians 3, 16-17 is taking the Yahweh illusion and using it for Jesus doesn't seem to fit very well. It seems very awkward. It seems almost pushed and forced as if we're taking a square peg and trying to put it through a round hole. It doesn't really work that way. Much more likely is Paul alluding to the Yahweh passage and still referring to Yahweh, the kurios of the Septuagint, and using the word Lord here in reference to the Lord God, not to the Lord Jesus. So there we have the last two passages that David Capps suggests are Yahweh passages used of Jesus. And I'm actually pushing back and saying, no, these are Yahweh passages used of Yahweh. I don't think that there is clear evidence that this is a reference to Jesus, even though I admit overall that Paul does at times use Yahweh passages for Jesus. You can see the previous two episodes, episodes 182, 183, and 184, where I come to those conclusions. Now let's talk about the phrase, Day of the Lord. This moves us to our third and final point, which is the Day of Yahweh and the Pauline Day of the Lord. Now David Capps makes the argument in his book, Old Testament Yahweh Text in Paul's Christology, that Paul will refer to the Day of the Lord meaning the day of the Lord Jesus, but Paul is thinking of the day of Yahweh, the Yom Yahweh in Hebrew, and thereby even the reference to the day of the Lord is a Yahweh passage used of Jesus. This is another place where I'm not so convinced that the evidence brings about the conclusion that David Capps would have us believe. So let's look at some passages. In 1 Corinthians 5, verse 5, Paul says that the Spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Okay, so we have a reference to the Lord Jesus. Now, it's strange that this would be the day of Yahweh Jesus, but Paul doesn't define this much further. A little bit more in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 2, Paul says, You yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. And it's clear there that within the context, the Lord here is the Lord Jesus, the one who's going to come like a thief in the night. But it's called the day of the Lord. And we can see a little bit more of this in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 2, where Paul says that you not be quickly shaken from your composure, or be disturbed either by a spirit or a message or a letter, as if from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. So there are three passages, 1 Corinthians 5.5, 5, 1 Thessalonians 5.2, and 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 2, where we have the day of the Lord. And I do think this is a reference to the Lord Jesus. But when we look at some other passages where the day of the Lord shows up in the Pauline corpus, we can see that it's very unlikely and arguably impossible that Paul is thinking of the Old Testament day of Yahweh. And what I mean by that is that Paul seems to be unlikely 
drawing on the understanding of Yahweh as that name and using it now as a reference to Jesus. So we can see this in a passage like 1 Corinthians 1.8, where Paul talks about the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Clearly, it's the day of the Lord, but it's the day of our Lord. It is the Lord, namely the exalted title given to Jesus, but it is a title that indicates Jesus as the Lord that is shared and possessed by Paul and his readers. The day of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that cannot be a reference to Yahweh because there's no Old Testament or Hebrew way of defining Yahweh as our Yahweh. But if Lord here is a reference to a title and not to the divine name, then this makes a lot more sense. The day of the Lord seems to be, at least in 1 Corinthians 1.8, a reference to the title of Lord that Jesus has, not to the divine name, Yahweh. We can see a bit more of this in 2 Corinthians 1.14, where Paul says, We are your reason to be proud, as you are in ours, in the day of our Lord Jesus. That's 2 Corinthians 1.14. Again, the day of the Lord is the day of our Lord, defining Lord as this title linked to Jesus, and the Lord Jesus is someone that is shared by Paul and his community. It is our Lord. And again, it is impossible that this would be a reference to Yahweh, because there is no way in Hebrew to say our Yahweh. That's not what you do with personal names. So while David Capps makes the argument that the day of Yahweh in the Hebrew Bible is now used by Paul to refer to the day of the Lord, name of the Lord Jesus, and thereby is indicative of Paul taking Yahweh passages and using them of Jesus, I think that the evidence indicates something quite different. It seems that the day of the Lord for the Lord Jesus is a reference to Jesus, but it is using Lord as an exalted title, not as a Greek translation of the divine name. Because while sometimes it's used just as the day of the Lord, and other times it is the day of our Lord Jesus Christ, 1 Corinthians 1.8, or the day of our Lord Jesus, 2 Corinthians 1.14. So the three places to where David Capps suggest that Paul is using Yahweh passages for Jesus, I have pushed back at all three of them, and I don't think that the evidence brings about the conclusion that David Capps has suggested. So we've spent four weeks now looking at the theme of Pauline Yahweh passages used of Jesus, or even allegedly used of Jesus. And some of the listeners of the podcast have asked me the question, Dustin, what do you think? What are your conclusions on this matter? And so I wanted to take the time that I normally use for conclusions, and I wanted to offer five reflections on Paul's use of Yahweh text for the Son of God, for Jesus. So based on the evidence we've seen so far, I have five reflections in no particular order. Number one, Jews before Paul were using Yahweh text and allusions for qualified agents. We've seen this in a number of instances to where Yahweh was able to share his name with a qualified agent, perhaps a king or a prophet or an angelic messenger. And so 
since you would not confuse an agent with the one who sent the agent, it's not necessary to conclude that Jesus bearing the name of God or Jesus being the recipient of a Yahweh passage would be any further than Jesus functioning as an authorized agent. My second reflection is that sons were considered agents of their fathers within the Jewish world. So naturally, the Son of God would function as an authorized agent of God. And Paul is quite clear to regard Jesus as the Son of God. Galatians 4.4 In the fullness of time, God commissioned forth his Son. So the understanding there of the Son of God who is sent functioning as an agent was widely understood and recognized in the Jewish world. And Paul, of course, takes this understanding. And so it's natural for agents to fully represent the one who sent them. And I think that is a good way of explaining the Yahweh passages that are used of Jesus by Paul. Third reflection, many of the alleged places where Paul uses a Yahweh text for the Son are ambiguous and probably would be initially understood as referring to Yahweh, to the Father himself. So although we've looked through all of the passages that David Capps has suggested are Yahweh passages used of Jesus, we've noted that nearly half of them are actually ambiguous or they're probably better used as Yahweh passages for the Father. They're not Yahweh passages for Jesus. Fourth reflection. Paul does sometimes cite a Yahweh passage for the Son, and this reflection needs to be admitted by biblical Unitarians, but it also requires an explanation. It is one thing to admit that a Yahweh passage is used of Jesus in a passage like Philippians 2, 9-11. I can admit that. That's fine. However, just because a passage says something requires that it needs to be interpreted. You can't just state or read what a verse says. Every verse needs to be interpreted. And this moves me to my fifth and final reflection, which is the pinnacle of Paul's theology regarding the status of the risen Jesus is observed in Philippians 2, 9-11, where Yahweh raised Jesus from the dead and Yahweh gave to Jesus the name that is above every name. What is the name above every name? That is the name of Yahweh. So, Jesus is now bearing the title of Yahweh as the risen and exalted Son of God. In light of Yahweh texts that are legitimately used of Jesus, this is best explained as Jesus functioning as an authorized agent. The fact that Yahweh texts are used of Jesus. Remember, God has shared this name with the risen and exalted Jesus. For Jesus to be identified there with a Yahweh text is not to identify Jesus as Yahweh himself. It's to identify Jesus as the authorized agent of Yahweh who bears Yahweh's name as one who has received it. Those are my five reflections on Paul's use of Yahweh text for the Son of God. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. 
please join us next week as we look at a different topic. We're going to look at the Johannine comma in 1 John 5, verses 7 through 8. And we're going to talk all about that passage, the controversy that surrounded it, and why it is interesting for our study and appreciation. So please look forward to our next episode. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please consider supporting us because we are out here trying to promote, teach, and defend the sound truths of the oneness and unity of God and the truths of Jesus' humanity. If you'd like to offer a donation, you may check out the link to PayPal that's associated with this episode. The Biblical Unitarian Podcast is edited and produced by Dustin Williams. I am Dustin Smith, your host, and until next time, you folks, please take care.